Okay, welcome to another week of Ghost in the Scene, the only certified ghost-free podcast. This is Audio Sage. I am your host, Gio. Rob cannot be here this week, my co-host, so I'm just going to be flying solo. I have a lot to talk about, so let's just get right into it. First of all, we want to shout out to Vanessa Hudgens. It was her birthday uh, today, the 14th. I'm recording. This is a Friday. So happy birthday to Vanessa Hudgens, um, the secret, but I guess now not so secret, ghost hunter. So if you guys didn't see, we posted this uh, short clip, but she was on Hot Ones, uh, a YouTube show, and she was eating spicy wings, and she let a slip of the tongue. I, and I don't even think it was a slip of the tongue. She just went out and said it. She believes in ghosts. She believes in spirits. She believes in demons. Um, you know. Everything, everything that we've been talking about throughout this entire series of Ghost in the Scene, she confirmed. And and this is somebody that knows, because really think about it. She is in Hollywood. She works in behind-the-scenes movies. Who else would know but her? So it's very interesting that she went on national YouTube and, and proclaimed that, because it gives a lot of esteem behind the train that we've been uh, chugging along at. So thank you very much, and happy birthday. 30 years, that's 3-0-30. Interesting. So happy birthday um, to Vanessa Hudgens. So we have a, a couple more things. I'm, I'm going to do this really quick. I don't really have much time. I, I have something to do tonight. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through a little bit as to why I believe Vanessa Hudgens has the wherewithal to know about ghosts. She can see ghosts. Not, you know, like, people work around ghosts all the time. We've had people um, behind the scenes. And, of course, they talk about how they've uh, had feelings and they see shadows and that kind of thing. But, I mean, Vanessa, she's saying she has seen ghosts. You know, she believes them because she's seen them. Seeing is believing. And here's why. So, recently, she was in a movie with j-lo and they were together for two months it's kind of a christmas movie right it, it takes place during christmas so if you think about it that's the second most haunted month of the year and they're filming it during that time or at least evoking december so they conjured up some ghosts and and i'll talk about what ghosts they conjured later but they spend all this time together okay and I guess I'll get into a little bit about J-Lo. So if you get if Jennifer Lopez, for people that don't know who J-Lo is, I know there's probably a few of you out there that got completely confused when I said J-Lo. So Jennifer Lopez, she's also an, an actress, a singer. She has a lot in common with Vanessa Hudgens. You, you could say that Vanessa, in some way, kind of is uh, taking from the style of J-Lo. Once again, Jennifer Lopez. So you see them together now in this movie, and you hear all the interviews after, 
from uh from the point of view of Vanessa Hudgens, and she's always saying, you know, oh, I'm learning so much from her. She's teaching me, you know, she's such a hard worker, blah, 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 blah. Well, what you're really actually seeing is the transference of a ghost from J-Lo, Jennifer Lopez, to Vanessa Hudgens. And what ghost? Well, let's talk a little bit about um, the first couple movies that Jennifer Lopez was in, she was in uh, in Living Color as a backup dancer and all that kind of stuff. That's TV. TV is is peanuts, right? We we talk a little bit about TV here, but really it's peanuts. Let's talk about the movies. She was in a movie called Selena that came out, I believe, in '96, and it was a international box office sensation. It was based on the life and death, uh, murder, actually, of Selena Quintanilla Perez, um, a Texas Tejana. She was a singer. She sang uh, Spanish and English, and she was a self-proclaimed, uh, you know, diva. And so the movie is all about, you know, the rise and eventual fall of Selena. Sponsored by the family. And, you know, the family was involved um, there during the filming. And so you have the ghost. And, and this is something that I, I kind of wanted to talk about. So I, I did some research into Selena. Some pretty deep research. And I found some, some sites that really piqued my interest and that would pique the interest of anybody that's in the scene like we are. So this is um, a article about the ghost of Selena and how she haunts the beaches or actually the beach where she is uh, buried near and this is in corpus christi texas so people say that on hot quiet summer nights you can see selena the ghost of selena walking along the beach and so people have have you know they go to see her body and then the beach is like right down the the street so they they go and you know, you think you're, you're never going to see your idol, right? And then all of a sudden, boom, she's right there in front of you on the beach. And, I mean, hopefully they get a chance to sign an autographs, or I'm, I'm not sure what, what happens because she probably has privacy and, and she she doesn't want them to, to, to give away her secrets. So I'm not sure if she signs anything, but, I mean, I, I would bring an autograph book just in case. So when you're out there in Corpus Crispy, you can see her walking along the beach. So that means that her ghost is active the ghost of selena is still roaming around and you could bet that she was roaming around the set of her own movie called selena i mean it just makes sense and so her family being there i believe imparted a lot of the energies that they were holding on to and they gave it to jennifer lopez and from there you could really see her career just took off like a, a shooting star. And so she goes on to make movies like Made in Manhattan, Anaconda, I mean, ev everything under the sun. Geely, you know, Ben Affleck. She, she's, you know, co-starring in movies with leading leading males and leading females. She's, she's you know, writing her own ticket pretty much. And now nowadays, she's on top 100%. She does a movie called El Cantante with her now ex-husband. Ex so, you know, parts of power couples here and there. 
So she really has played Hollywood perfectly. And you have to really kind of consider the fact that she had an extra kind of like, if this were a car, she had a NOS gas, you know, a NOS tank right there full of the ghost energy of Selena. And she could just pump that shit right through her system and just get that extra boost that she needed. And, you know, everyone talks about how she looks the same 25 years ago to today. And, of course, she works hard for that. But she works hard because she has to continue to kind of keep the ghost energy alive. And so here's where I think J-Lo, Jennifer Lopez, went wrong. And, and, and this is not, not, nothing on her but it's just that you can't control a ghost for that long, especially if you're not a trained, you know, a ghost hunter or, you know, a ghost talker. I, I'm not, I'm not denying her talents. She was able to kind of, uh, you know, maintain Selena's ghost for a good 25 years. But now we're talking about something completely different because we have, and this is news, 100% breaking news, Netflix is go going to run a series on Selena and the life and times of Selena. And who is involved? Her family. And so once again, we have the exact same formula happening again from another studio that's going to devote more attention to the story. And so now Selena's ghost is kind of being pulled between J-Lo, who is you know, trying to use her for her career and the family, which is bringing back her, her energy, her ghost has to follow her story. You know, Selena has to be with Selena. And so now that Selena's at Netflix, you better believe that Selena has to go and devote some time to telling her story right and what, and making sure that her family is telling her story right or she'll haunt them. And here's where things get the wires have gotten crossed, right? Because we have half of Selena with J-Lo, half of Selena with her family at Netflix. And then let's talk a little bit about Vanessa Hudgens, because this is kind of where the story began. So Vanessa Hudgens and Selena Gomez. And now, now I'm bringing in another, another Selena. So Selena Gomez and Vanessa Hudgens grew up together. They were childhood best friends. They went out and did movies together. And of course, Selena's namesake is Selena Quintanilla Perez. So you see here, Vanessa Hudgens has always been around a Selena, has always been surrounded by Selena, right? At least in some way, the energy I'm not saying is in Selena Gomez, but I'm just saying that she has the energy of a Selena being around her. She's used to it and, and she's comfortable around it. So because everybody knows that a needy love is, is in fact kind of annoying. And that's the kind of love that Jennifer Lopez has now attached to the ghost of Selena. And so this, this needy love that, that she's been needing Selena to help her with her career. And then you have Vanessa Hudgens approaching this movie set. And she's from a perspective where she just loves Selena Gomez. And so she loves being around Selena in the abstract, right? Any Selena. And so the ghost of Selena transfers from J-Lo 
onto Vanessa Hudgens during the filming of their movie together. And now you have the reason why Vanessa Hudgens can see ghosts. Because she is now visited by the ghost of Selena Quintanilla. So, shout out Vanessa Hudgens for making that beautiful transference. Because now we can trust that Selena is in good hands. She's not in the hands of somebody that is going to be using her. But in fact, somebody that is going to be loving her. And this might be for the first time ever since Selena's ghost was born. That Selena's ghost has a chance just to be loved and adored and, and cared for and not preyed upon and, and kind of leached upon. And that's including her family because I, I've heard some stories about how her family and her father were uh, of the you know Michael Jackson-esque kind of uh, abusive father because he wanted her to be you know very uh, famous. And so he used her, her talent uh, for his benefit. So there's nobody that's clean here except for Vanessa Hudgens. So once again, just happy birthday. And uh, it, it was very interesting to go down this rabbit hole to find out that absolutely there are ghosts involved. And, and when it comes to calling out ghosts, you have to kind of have been touched by a ghost, I, I believe, to have uh, the ability to call them out. So, so that's that's where I'm going to leave Selena Gomez. I, I might uh, actually talk about Selena Gomez a little bit later. Vanessa Hudgens also is, is going to be in, in my view because there's a couple things. I, I believe she's had touches with ghosts before. And there's a movie that I, I've been looking at. I'm not going to mention it yet. But there's a movie I've been looking at that really kind of piques my interest. So I might look into that. So let's get to uh, the next little bit and this is kind of where I did most of my research so hopefully you guys can follow along with me but this is kind of going back to Netflix so there is the Oscars coming out and I'm, I'm going to talk about that more with Rob and with another co-host but just you guys know that the Oscars are out you guys know about the um, Kevin Hart situation you guys know about all of this unless you're living under a rock and in which case um, I'll talk about it later so what I wanted to talk about was that there's a movie that Netflix, it, it's the sweetheart of Netflix right now. It's, it's going to be big as far as the Oscar contenders. And it's called Roma. Uh, it, it's a movie, uh, uh, I think, black and white. It's in uh, Mexico City, I believe, or, or somewhere in Mexico, um, Spanish speaking. And, but it is, it is a sweetheart. People are saying that it is you know, very well done. It's a beautiful movie, yada, yada, yada. Right. So I did some research and I looked into Roma. What is Roma? Uh, Rome. Right. That's what some people say. Well, I, I'm not as, uh, you know, flowery as that. I, I can't just think about it in that term. So I thought a literal, what is a literal Roma? And it struck me. Well, there are tomatoes called Roma tomatoes. So I did some research into Roma tomatoes, and I found a couple interesting things. So did you know, and this is, I guess, not really a did you know, this is more me telling you, Roma tomatoes were created in the 1950s by the USDA, the Agricultural Research Services, in Beltsville, Maryland. 
They are fake engineered tomatoes. And they call them Italian tomatoes, right? And yet they're only grown in the United States, Mexico, Australia, and Great Britain. So they're not Italian at all, but they're called Roma tomato. So obviously the connection is there. They are calling out the Roma tomato in this movie. Now ask yourself why, okay? And, and we're going to get to it. So Roma tomatoes, they're egg-shaped. Those, they're on the vine. If you, if you guys have seen them, they are an open-pollinated variety, which basically just means that they don't um, pollinate themselves. They, they basically rely on insects, people, uh, the wind to, to pollinate themselves. So let's just kind of ask the question, Roma, is it a movie? Is it a tomato? Or is it a plague? Now, you ask me, what, what do you mean by plague? Well, like I said, it was, it's a fake, it, it, it's, a, it's a cultivated type of tomato, right? They developed it somewhere in Maryland, in the United States. So I had to look into this place, into Beltsville, Maryland. Okay? I, I did a quick, quick couple, uh, you know, searches. Beltsville, Maryland... Uh, has been around since 1649, right? And so now we have the English involved because it was given to this guy named Richard Snowden by Lord Baltimore of England. And so already we have, um, it, it's a very, very fertile land and people grew tobacco, they grew, you know, all kinds of stuff. And over the years, uh, it went from being a British colony to a part of America, just like all of America did. So I, I guess as far as we know, right? But let's get into in the uh, 1910, I believe, the U.S. Department of Agriculture set up camp there. And then, like I said, in the 50s is when they developed the Roma tomato. But I wanted to talk about how the person who really started to uh, spearhead what they call, it's like the uh, Bart, or Bark, right? And it's basically kind of where they developed it, uh, uh, the Roma tomato. But it's the Bettsville, Beltsville Agricultural Research, Research Center. The Henry A. Wallace, actually. And that's kind of the person that started all of this. The Henry A. Wallace Beltsville Agricultural Research Center. That's where the Roma tomato came from. Now, who is Henry A. Wallace? He's the guy that started all of this. This is what it was named after. So Henry A. Wallace was the vice president of the United States under FDR, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And so now... Out of nowhere, from Roma Tomatoes, from the movie Roma, Netflix has called out Roma Tomatoes. And the developer of Roma Tomatoes was once the vice president of the United States. So what is this filmmaker? What is uh, I think his name is uh, Alfonso Curon, right? What is he telling us? What is the, uh, the, the, the signs that he's giving us? 
let's follow what he's talking about because he's mentioning the White House. He's mentioning Henry A. Wallace. So I looked into Henry A. Wallace, and let me tell you something. There is much more to him than meets the eye. He is not just the inventor of the Roma tomato, okay? Because there is something uh, about him that was very progressive. So he also tried to run for president uh, in 1948. So this is after he was the vice president. He tries to run for president. And let me tell you something. If it weren't for uh, some of the things that he believed, he was also a true believer, just like we are. But I believe he might have been led down a different path. And I'll talk about that right now. But let's just kind of like quickly mention that he was the vice president during World War II, during the Great Depression, the Dust Bowl, as, as everything's happening. And he has this kind of a tie to the agricultural center. So because of that, because the Dust Bowl is happening, this is kind of, this is real history. He um, develops this idea. He's going to uh, go to this man whose name is uh, Nicholas Rorick, Rorick, right? And he's a, he's a painter. He's an archaeologist, uh, a philosopher. So he goes to this man and he asks him to go on an expedition to uh, through Asia, you know, Manchuria. He has him try to find seeds and grass that wouldn't get picked up by uh, by the wind, basically to resolve the Dust Bowl. He wanted to reverse the Dust Bowl um, and he sent this philosopher who was from St. Petersburg, from the Russian Empire, right? He sent this man on this kind of like quest. And this man was a spiritualist. So that means that uh, Henry A. Wallace himself was a spiritualist. So if, if I can just kind of like encapsulate all of that, we have a man who took his own ticket on the reverse Underground Railroad and went all the way to the White House. He made it, right? He's also involved in agriculture. So when he's in the White House, he brings spiritualism to the White House. And, and this is a, a, a public kind of a mark on his, on his record, you know, the fact that he uh, wrote something called the Guru Letters. And it's all about the, uh, the guru, right, Nicholas Rorick, and how um, they had a plan to find these seeds that, you know, uh, that were genetically not modified, but perfect in Manchuria or in the Asian um, continent. And it actually ended up being a giant failure. They didn't find anything. They spent a lot of money. They ruined a lot of uh, the relations because it was this sovereign, crazy uh, philosopher, Russian painter, who himself has a very storied background. And in fact, if you guys know some of the um, imagery uh, from H.P. Lovecraft was uh, taken directly from Nicholas Rorick paintings. And so, you know, and this is a man who, who painted demons and, and, and dragons and all kinds of terrifying things. And of course, he was a, a part of a very... Uh, spiritual sect of of Russian thinkers, 
And Henry A. Wallace followed all of that. And in fact, some of the uh, expeditions that he sent him on were, I believe, kind of a, a, a dual expedition. Because in, uh, if you look to see, he didn't find any seeds, but he did find manuscripts, ancient manuscripts, ancient relics. So this could have been um, kind of like they, they said they, that they were going to find seeds, but in reality, they were looking for treasure the whole time. And so this is just kind of like, I wanted to take everybody back because we, we talk about today, we talk about how the reverse underground railroad is, is pushing people to, to become president and, and people are taking, you know, the bait and they're getting on, on the train and we're saying it all in, in a modern kind of, uh, you know, frame of thought, but in reality, you know, this has been going on, you know, for the past hundred years, if not more, starting with Henry A. Wallace maybe not even starting, but continued by Henry A. Wallace and his spiritual guide, Nicholas Rorick. And kind of the, the, the downfall of, of, of both of these men. I mean, it also shout out to the death birthday of Nicholas Rorick, who died December 13th. So that was yesterday. So happy death birthday. He, uh, you never know when his ghost will reappear. Because, I mean, he's already tied to the White House. He was, you know, in the White House. So his ghost could very well be haunting Stephen Baldwin. Um, we're going to look more into this um, when, when I uh, show Rob all of this uh, research. But really, I want you guys to think about the fact that, the, you know, the history of the Reverse Underground Railroad, of ghosts in Hollywood, all of that. And, and you know, remember, this all came from Roma, the Netflix movie, the black and white movie, I, I would have not have known of any of this were it not for that movie signaling me. And it signaled everybody. And if you guys didn't come to the same conclusion as I did, you're not reading the signs, the tea leaves correctly. And that's something that you have to work on yourself. So really, let's just keep in mind that there could be multiple ghosts that are attacking and haunting the White House. And we have one of them as a spiritualist, one of them as, you know, Winston Churchill. Uh, you could have Henry A. Wallace there as well, okay? And, and the Roman tomato, the Roma tomato, this is a signal because it is open pollinating. It is created by somebody who was a spiritualist. So we don't know what kind of spell he, he made to create this tomato. And now it's everywhere. Now it's it's in Mexico, it's in Australia, it's in you know the United States, it's in Great Britain, and so it is just and they and they call it Italian. So it's they're tricking us already, and, and I'm not going to let that slide. So that's going to be the end of my quick investigation. But I just wanted to shout out once again to Vanessa Hudgens. Shout out to um, J Lo. Shout out to Selena. Shout out to all the good ghosts, and hopefully um, Nicholas Rorick was a, a peaceful man because, you know, he's in the White House, and, and we don't know what kind of things he's whispering in, in Trump's ears right now. So please uh, stay safe and stay in the scene. Keep your eyes on the screen, and next week we are going to be coming hard with some in, uh, investigations into some movies, and we might have a, a special guest. Uh, I don't know. All right, so uh, take care. Love you guys.